Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2021, maybe? Um, <laughs> no longer 2020. I don't know. What are you doing Thanksgiving? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see if Thanksgiving holds. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll just say we're the official, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con. That's it. Yeah. Um, Here. <laughs> <laughs> just assume it's in perpetuity. Uh, I am your host, Brad, and with me is... Zach. And this is not a regular episode. This is a commentary track, which we don't get to do a lot of, and we should be doing them. Yes, um, absolutely, we should. And I say commentaries on all animal-related movies. So next one will be Doolittle, and then followed by that Dr. Doolittle with Eddie Murphy, and Dr. Doolittle 2 with Eddie Murphy. I, I think we just want to do some Doolittle movies. Don't listen to Zach. We're not doing any of that. Um <laughs> Normally, uh, I guess most episodes are commentary, but uh, this is a this is a uh, a movie while you're watching it commentary that we're doing because we're, we're not involved, so I can't say like it's a director's commentary or I guess it's a, it's a fan commentary, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I guess well, uh, full disclosure. So you know, I'm not the world's biggest uh, fan in the respect in what we're about to talk about. I appreciate what we're about to talk about. And I loved it when I was a kid. So this is actually going to be interesting for me to learn from you rather than me, you know, uh, you know, talking about something I know a lot about. Yeah. I don't want you picking up the stuff on the streets. I want you to get it from a reliable source like myself. Exactly. I guess we, we haven't even revealed what we're going to do the commentary on yet. I mean, people will know, but yeah, I'm going to intro it. Um, so (laughs) This week's regular episode is tied to our commentary, our regular episode. Um, I complained enough to Ryan uh, that we should celebrate the 30th anniversary of the first Ninja Turtles movie, which was like two weeks ago. Um, but uh, So it, it took Corinne finally uh, insisting, and then he, he, he caved, and now we're doing it. We're, uh, we're going to do an episode dedicated to the first Ninja Turtles movie, which is my favorite movie of all time. Right. And I'm going to be along for the ride, providing uh, questions for you to answer. Um, so did the movie, did you see it in the theaters? Uh, I did. Um, I think just one time because we didn't go to the theaters all that much. Um, but uh, yeah, they released on VHS. And, you know, I um, about this, about like, I think 94 when the Power Rangers uh, came around, I kind of you know, gravitated towards that for a bit. But then in high school, I, I rewatched the movie uh, again and just uh, connected to it, connected to it even more for some reason. Um, yeah. Just, just, uh, yeah. 
that does kind of happen though when you get a little bit older that's what like even in your teen years it's when you start kind of going back to those things that made you happy as a kid because the world of a teenager is sad and depressing and it's <laughs> a reminder that we're all gonna die but <laughs> yeah the, the the production design of this movie is like the perfect uh teenage angst uh look um very yeah. much as a kid, you're just, uh, you know, it's just this cool thing that enter- entertains you. And then, you know, when your brain is more developed, you start noticing like nuance and depth and uh, further meaning behind things. Not that this movie is super deep, but, um, you know, just start to connect with it on different levels. So, right. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I'll be. You know, if you got questions, just go ahead and ask them and I'll try to throw out little trivia nuggets. This is also kind of like a little precursor because eventually I'm trying to do this um, like a Shambly style mini podcast uh, about this movie called Teenage Minute Ninja Turtles, where I'm going to chop up the movie into one minute segments and then just uh, comment on each of those one minutes. So I think this would be the the Cliff Notes version. What episode I want to do. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's the one that has virtually nothing to do with the turtles. (laughs) Oh. the golden harvest <laughs> the logo, <laughs> the logo. yeah um but um uh actually on that i should preface up front so my turtle my turtle appreciation when i was a kid um and i posted a picture of it on the instagram page but i had the first movie and the third movie um and i couldn't find the third movie in storage but for whatever reason turtles in time was the one i rewatched the most um about two years ago, Brad showed Turtles in Time at the Bug Theater. Uh, and coincidentally, that was my sober birthday. That was the, day I, that was the last day I ever had a drink. And um, I, I attribute it partially to Turtles in Time sobering me up. But, <laughs> but, um, but actually, it was funny re-watching it on that big screen, regardless of like what that film was. Like the, uh, just the, just, just the fun of revisiting those memories in my head of like, oh yeah, I remember that song there. I remember that they make that Clint Eastwood joke there. And, and just, and it, despite what the plot has an issue, like it's still a fun movie. And this first one is absolutely incredible when you're comparing it obviously to the third one, but also just on its own. Like, even if this was the only one they made, it's still a good movie. Uh, yeah, the 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 great thing about this one is it flew under the radar, so um, no one expected it to be this phenomenon that 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 it became. So you know, you had uh, the director was able to uh, you know, get Jim Henson Studios and the Golden Harvest people, and like actually do legit uh, martial arts, and uh, you know they. they Ninja Turtles sort of used their weapons a bit. Obviously, they didn't like impale people with swords. But um, after this, uh, parents got so upset with the violence in the movie. And this is a PG movie, and um, the violence was pretty tame. But in 1990, people didn't think it was. So movies like 2 and 3, um, you know, think about yeah. it. They, they yeah. never achieved this level of martial arts fighting again. Yeah. And and nor does and and the weapons are virtually non-used. Yeah, uh, the, the opening the, scene of two, they use toys like Donatello like throws a yo-yo at someone, you know. Yep, and like and in three, like they're kind of, it's it's weird because they actually like they they pull out weapons like villains pull out weapons and whatnot, but the turtles are kind of relegated to virtually nothing. 
Yeah, I mean, Walker, like the whole plot is he's selling guns to the the warlord. Um, yeah. And so they're firing guns, but uh, I guess swords and nunchucks are way more dangerous. Yeah, um, it's as if this is all ridiculous. Yeah, but, completely arbitrary. But, but, but with the turtles, like, I mean, especially with that, like, I mean, my, my folks never had a problem with it. My mom likes the turtles. And she was, you know, she was definitely, you know, like the parent who would like, be careful of what we watch but like we we were a, we were a pro turtle family for the most part and i watched the cartoon a little bit but after that up until i met you i virtually never really thought about the turtles not out of malice just just wasn't part of my development process but after knowing you i would kick back into like you know watching turtle related stuff and this is kind of a culmination of it for me because now i'm going to get to hear the expert talk that's right um on that note <laughs> yeah i was also gonna point out like uh back to the violence thing um in england they're called the teenage mutant hero turtles because mm-hmm. nin- ninjas are so frowned upon um by that culture um so and and technically you know uh when, when eastman and laird put this together like this was a joke right uh, right they wrote the comics uh so ninjas are t- typically like in chinese culture or Japanese culture, bad guys. Yeah, assassins. <laughs> so they should really be more like the Teenage Mutant uh, Samurai Turtles, which is why in three they're really more like samurai uh, yeah. aesthetic driven. Uh, but you know, Ninja rolls off the tongue easier. But so. as we all know, my delinquent actual father Kevin Eastman doesn't really care about accuracy. What he cares about <laughs> is a fun title. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I, I he was doing a live uh, Facebook broadcast just about about the creation of the turtles for everyone and he talked about how he, he uh they wanted to honor the uh the japanese culture as much as possible so <laughs> he does care about it but you know again it, this was formulated as a joke response to uh frank miller's ronin run and daredevil yeah so. and i was and re-watching the documentary turtle power today i was struck by like that parody of something else then in turn kind of kicked off the boom of black and white comics. So that was pretty fascinating to realize. Um, and just, and that along with the entire story of the marketing, like the, or the, the licensing of the toys and the creation of cartoon, like this, this universe seems so inexplicable when you think about it, but in reality, it's like, of course this would work. It's based off of traditional tropes of, you know, storytelling mixed with this unique creation that they put together just out of doodles that they then formed into a story, you know? Yeah, it's it's amazing, like, when you treat a property seriously, like, how far it'll take it. Yeah. Like, if it was just a, a, a joke, it probably wouldn't have lasted, but, um, you know, the licensed people came in and were like, hey, we can turn this into a silly cartoon show, like, because the comics are not that fun. Well, like they're the, dark and pretty, yeah. Yeah, I mean, after the first five or six issues, um, you know, the, the Eastman and Laird kind of stopped doing it all themselves and they have other artists kind of running the show. Mm-hmm. And and so they take into like weird and wild sci-fi places. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and, and what's interesting, like when, even when they start getting into the cartoon show and, that, and they talk about it in the documentary how they, you know, are able to, create kind of whatever based off of this drawing board of like well mutant creatures and sci-fi stuff um what's interesting is how like it's never treated 
like it's never like they're never mocking their themselves like they're 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 they craft something genuine around it for the most part in the cartoon from what it seemed now i don't know the later seasons that well um the stuff that i watched was a lot of reruns of what i found out were like seasons three and four um but it just it never seemed like they were like you know, like it, it never seemed like they were selling out. Does that make sense? Like even when I, I, I mean, I guess the toy line kind of does with the different variations of turtles where they have soccer stuff, but it never felt like the universe was ever like doubting itself or just like cashing in on whatever it could possibly do to sell a toy. Like it felt like it had a heart to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than those, you know, when they dress up the four turtles, that's really just a, Hey, we can sell the same figure four times. Right. Um, that has nothing really to do with the cartoon show. I, I guess what I'm saying is, is like, it never lost the sincerity that it holds for itself. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Interesting thing I learned this week while I was uh, working on my, my, my new stuff was that um, because the last season ish, the turtles gained powers to like self mutate into like more monster creatures. Um, and apparently that was born out of the fourth turtle movie that never happened before the cgi one mm. um that got scrapped so uh it yeah so they kind of had these the fourth movie was going to be like the 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 mutagen somehow like remutated so yeah they turned into more feral monsters so like uh, kind of like the hulk so they could like hulk out on at will and uh then they kind of love me when i'm angry dude <laughs> So yeah, they kind of pushed some of those ideas into the last season of the cartoon show, and then some other ideas became the the next mutation. I think that like, the fourth title was the next mutation for the movie, and then yeah, they turned into the TV show, and both those things kind of ran their course. But I mean, ten years for something, and now we're at the like the, this movie is thirty years old, but uh, I guess I think we're almost up to the I think we're at the thirty four year mark yeah for the actual property so yeah and and actually the, yesterday uh april 16th was the uh anniversary of the release of the first issue so well there you go so this is all tying into a well into a great situation for for your fandom of the turtles yeah other um, than a uh, coronavirus this is a pretty good year for any <laughs> turtle stuff absolutely agreed and it's interesting like even though we're in the the michael bay produced era era of the turtle films the TV shows are still managing to put out interesting stuff from what I've, what I've been able to gather. Yeah. It's disingenuous. I try to encourage people to check out the 2000. I haven't seen the much of the 2012 or 2018 series, but I'm going to get around to it. But the 20, the 2003 show um, seems pretty um, standard cartoon fare. And then they start drawing upon little elements from the comics and then tweaking them. Um, and there's this amazing reveal that, like, when I saw it, I was, I was like, that was brilliant. Like, I didn't see it coming. Um, it's like a fun twist to, like, explain so many different things that they're doing with the new show. And um, so definitely check out the, it's hard to check out the 2003 show because I'm missing some of the DVDs and they're going for like a hundred bucks uh, oh. on eBay. So I can't fill those holes right away, but I have most of the other ones and uh, I'll probably run through again sometime. Before we jump into the movie, really quickly, Brad and I were going through the prices of different turtle-related products on eBay last night on text. And son of a bitch, that animated series 
is 125 bucks. Now, granted, it's for 10 seasons for that nice bus set. Oh, the original classic series? Yeah, I, could not, yeah. Yeah, I could not believe that it was that high. Like, that's Jason collection level high. Well, it is the um, bus, so it is like a limited version of it because the right. just the jewel case version is running it actually right now at target and best buy 30 for 35 bucks so yeah which that Pretty one's good. fun but yeah. like that very nice version that you should clearly have in your life that's a, it's a crime that it's that much yeah um, but it, the, it is like that for the 13th set where it's you know it's out of print and it's it's a very specialized it, thing yeah. yeah like it came out at probably like 80 bucks 90 bucks so it's not too ridiculous but yeah but the I mean and the and the pizza box Blu-ray set that I messed out on because I would have wanted that for the the nostalgia of the movies and I like that 2007 one which I did see in the theater because I heard Kevin Smith was in it that's why I went. But yeah. <laughs> um, and I re I rewatched it recently and uh, Chris Evans is Casey Jones in it which I'd forgotten so Captain America. Oh shit! I gotta watch this it's on Netflix now. Yeah. Oh, um. But I, yeah, I remember Kevin Smith like plays a like a a, a chef or a, it's not a chef; he's a pizza delivery guy, isn't he? It's a pizza pizza chef, yeah. Yeah, pizza chef. Um, but yeah, so but that collection is like forty bucks. And you, first, you told me no extras, and I'm like, wait, there's no special features. And he's like, no, no, there's a beanie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a beanie and a, oh, <laughs> a mini graphic novel of the the first movie. But uh, even on the Blu-rays, like there's limited extras, like TMNT. The CGI one probably has the most extras. I'm actually surprised, um, you know, it being the 30th anniversary that Warner Brothers didn't step in and do a new release because the UK UK got a, like when it came out on DVD, they got a, like a director's commentary, special edition, deleted scenes version of the DVD and America didn't. So this would have been a great time to upgrade it to 4K and, you know, put uh transfer all those extras over to a new release well yeah you may not see that ever unless you just decide to do imports um and like get a region free player yeah i'll just import Um, it (laughs) yeah which i mean like at this point i'm tempted to do myself for some hitchcock movies so believe me when i say like we're all being relegated to this point because as we've learned in this country we don't care about stopping crises before they start and we don't care about physical media anymore the two things we don't give a shit about <laughs> oh and sure. actually, there's five more but whatever <laughs> but we do care about money so i don't know why they don't want to get money for releasing if if you're going to re-release an industrials movie this is the one that people are going to buy well like they don't like, want nerd money because they think it'll turn them into a nerd oh yeah yeah nerds keep taking over yeah, um, you know, our, our money's cursed brad you know that right <laughs> one more thing before we start um i did do a ninja Turtles 2 commentary on this on the website years ago um it's a written commentary so if you're done with this and you want to read along i guess as you watch ninja turtles 2 make it a double feature uh that is an option but uh maybe at some point we'll go back and do an audio one and then um also um in celebration of the this 30th anniversary year i have started a instagram called radley tmnt uh so just take my name take the b off and then tmnt where I'm posting pictures of my collection. Um, and I've had people reach out and ask me stuff. And so you can do that too, if you want. Yeah. On Instagram. And it's been pretty fun uh, revisiting. A lot of this stuff has been sitting in storage for like 10 years and I haven't touched it or looked at it. So 
I was like, I want to see it again, but I don't want to have to like drive out to Lakewood all the time. So now I can just pop open my phone and be like, oh yeah, that's what the uh, fast forward Leonardo version looks like again. Or do I have Sergeant Bananas? I do. Cool. All right. And you'll extend that out to other parts of the collection, not just the figures, I'm assuming. So. I originally started the Instagram just for the figures, but people have been asking me like, hey, can you post a picture of your whole collection? I was like, I guess. Um, like I can't yeah. fit everything into a single image. Uh, I don't have the space for it, but uh, I think I might do individual photos. Yeah. I mean, even even individual photos, if you've got like various different turtle uh, situations, then you might be able to, you know, put those up. So it'd be really cool. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of like ways to make them like different because a lot of people kind of just, you know, set them on a table and take a picture. But, you know, I want to, you know, like some of the action figures I tried to, instead of take, taking pictures, I posted GIFs because they had like action movement, you know, that was worth showing off. So instead of like a photo, it was actually like a GIF for a video. So I'm trying to think of like everything that I come up with, like, you know, if I'm going to show a case of VHS, like what's the most interesting way to do that with a photo so like for the video games i've been you know posting the picture of them in action you know yeah and so. then, which has been really cool and you've also started creating scenarios for some of them on your personal page which i, I appreciate it, yeah and, and revisiting some toy fair magazines i, I want to do some like comic strip stuff so Oof. yeah uh, this is but, all stuff that needs to happen i know it's a little time yeah but I, brad i think we've Let's let's focus on the here and now. Yeah, we, I think we've prattled on long enough. We've we've delayed this inevitable uh, commentary that is about to commence. Uh, yeah, so let's get this show on the road, and uh, I'm going to count down to one, I guess, to tell you yep. when to start your movie so you can follow along. All right, and uh, on one. Yep. Actually, on a uh, turtle power. Okay. Three, two, one, turtle power. Turtle power. So here we got the uh, old New Line Cinema logo flying in. Yep. Uh, the new one's not that much different. I mean, you don't see it that much anymore, but uh, they changed the font, I think, and well, uh, that, right, you the background. Have, you also have an addition of the Warner Brothers before. Yeah, the Warner Media yeah. branding now. Uh, so here's a picture of New York City before 9-11. Yeah. Fun fact, there were two towers there. Um, I like to think, because uh, we're also fans of Friday the 13th, uh, so the, the eighth movie came out in 1989. Yeah. And uh, this movie came out in 1990, so I, I like to think that those two movies are shooting in similar places at the same time. Uh, I, I, would, I would love the idea of the turtles beating Jason. They'd have to defeat him. It'd be cool. I mean, you can only postpone Jason. You can't really defeat him. No, but like, but they're sewer creatures. And as we learn in Jason Takes Manhattan, he becomes he a sewer in the creature. Se- yeah, he dissolved in the sewer. So that's right. You can make a sequel off of that movie. Hashtag, hashtag it's all connected. Marvel, you know, gave us the perfect hashtag for this. Oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. The wallet. It's gone. Yeah. Um, right. Did you move away from the mic? Oh, no, I'm here. Okay, there you are. I may have yeah. to do that. So here we have April uh, introducing the movie, setting up the stage, uh, the setting the stage for what 
is going on in New York at the time. Uh, a lot of a lot of crime because the as you'll find out, the Foot Clan is uh, recruiting boys by uh, well, boys and girls. Um, children, yes, children. Yeah, by yeah, you know, creating a false like environment where they feel empowered, I guess. Well, we're seeing some of them right now. Looks like uh, Redhead and uh, the band TV's in there. So, so the Foot Clan, Brad, the uh, they basically much do they operate in the comics compared to the because from what I was told, the comic book they kill Shredder in the first issue. So, yeah, like I said, the, when they wrote their first issue, they didn't expect to do more than one, so they killed the villain right away. But he comes back later. So they do. So they do keep the Foot Clan alive within the context of the whole universe. So. Yeah, without the head of uh, the Foot Clan, uh, I mean they're a little lost. But yeah, they they uh, kind of run on their own for a bit until they uh, I don't want to spoil it, but they reformulate Shredder <laughs> <laughs> in a weird way. I think it's issue ten, which actually. Um, this movie is an amalgamation of um, not just the first issue, but uh, I think the first 10 or 15. So issue 10, like I said, yeah, uh, the whole um, uh, antique store fight is, it draws from elements from that issue. Yeah, the documentary was saying that they, uh, they need to uh, kind of draw inspiration for what on that in those first couple of issues were cinematically which it's important because something like if, especially if you're making like a golden heart movie like cinema translates differently so you want to try to be able to translate as best as possible hey it's justin hammer yeah look at that's a young fresh-faced uh, sam rockwell future oscar winner <laughs> sam rockwell he had no idea that he would be cast as racist <laughs> <Forward>. also, <laughs> i also want to point out like uh you saw April with her like yellow raincoat going on, which I thought was a cool nod to the TV show because you know her her cartoon design isn't uh, much like her comic look. Yeah, and actually in the comics, uh, April didn't start as a reporter. She worked for Baxter Stockman in a science lab, creating the Mousers. So and Baxter and Baxter Stockman is remind me. Or tell me, because I don't know. Uh, well, in the cartoon, he becomes he gets mutated into a fly and becomes like Shredder's henchman for a while above Bebop and Rocksteady. Uh, but yeah, in the comics, he's just a mad scientist who... Uh... Yeah, and then the, the, okay. two, the 2016 movie, Tyler, Tyler Perry plays his character. Yeah, by the way, whatever uh, your connection uh, like really took a dive. Oh, uh, really? Is it yeah. still very, can you hear me now? I can hear you, but you're just like intermittent in and out. Oh, gotcha. Well, we'll have to do the best we can with this unless we want to stop it now. Are you, do you keep moving away from the mic? Like, like turning your head? No, I'm it? right. I'm right here. I'm just looking small talking to you, so. There we go. Oh, we, we got, got to go there. Using the uh, the the uh, toy line logo, cartoon logo. Mm -hmm. 
the poster didn't have it, so I thought that was interesting at the time. Why they did a different logo. Poor Donatello trying to come up with insults or not insults, uh, <laughs> catchphrases. Yeah, what else do you want to know? Well, um, I you know so there was something that's interesting about the film, and I think that most people know this, but for those who don't, these suits were uh, they were unsure of their ability to work. They bring in you know Jim Henson and Brian Henson to help develop them, amongst other Muppeteers like Kevin Clash come on board for this. So oh, hey, here's something you're gonna like. The- Look, Sally Menke. Yeah. Edited yep. this, co-edited this movie. Who would go on to be when Tarantino's editor? Um, but what's interesting is that the turtles are kind of shot in low light. They're not really uh, presented um, like of the full light that you know from, say, Secret of the Used or Turtles in Time. Um, and there's a aesthetic reason for this, not even just because of the technology they were using. Is that correct? Yeah. I imagine like all these shadows really help to hide seams in the outfits um, and other like, I guess, cosmetic defects that might be in the puppets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just in general, it just, it looks, you know, you talk about how like the great thing about star Wars with it, it was a world that felt lived in that had been there for a while. And this definitely looks like a sewer, you know, under the city that's been, around for a while like two and three a lot of the production design looks very clean and modern and like here just everything just looks really weathered and distressed and authentic yeah and and it has a kind of noir feel which which the comics the early comics that i've seen the reprints of do have they have that not just the black and white but just the, the, the tone and the feel of like the gritty as you said, the gritty city and the gritty the gritty character. So they're not. It's not a joke in this first. It's fascinating because humor is an important part of who they are. But you've also got just you've got an aesthetic that kind of lends an air of dignity to it that may not otherwise be there under different hands. Yep. Yeah, the the original comics being black and white like definitely rely on shadows. So to add depth to the the drawings so I'm down with Shredder's idea. Let's all meditate on today and the whole of months of the we've been going on right. <laughs> or we answer to tequila. <laughs> I guess the second best use of tequila it. in a movie. <laughs> Yes, yes. Pee Wee's Big Adventure, I'll concede, is probably the best version of it. Uh, so NECA uh, action figures have made some like amazing uh, recreations of the, these character designs, and then they, they're releasing a Raphael one soon where he has the uh, uh, coat. The trench The trench coat, yeah. God, look at that. That's a set, you guys. Oh, that's not actually... Dude, that's, that's yeah. So we got a classic, fact... classic, like, Oops. proverb coming up here um, that has permeated pop culture.
I never noticed there's like a little crushed uh, aluminum soda can sitting on top of that grate before. HD is great, isn't it? Yeah. It's a deep. Yeah, you cut out again. Am I still here? What's up? There you are. Nope. This is also a back lot. Hello. There you are. This is the back lot. This is in uh, New York, actually. Yeah, it's the old uh, Carol Co. back lot. Um, before Carol Co. went under. Or actually, no. It had already gone under. No, it didn't, because they yeah. put out Terminator 2. Carol Co. lot. <laughs> so here's uh, the Domino's guy, uh, which, we, as we mentioned before, Domino's is in the movie. But... Um... Pizza Hut actually did a lot of the, the tie-ins. They, they, they did the whole uh, the rock tour thing. Uh, you could get the cassette if you bought a pizza or something. Yeah. <laughs> with all like 10 songs on it of the Turtles in concert. Yeah. So yeah, the wise man say forgiveness is divine but never pay full price for late pizza. Yep. No, but just the look at the, that, that's a wonderful cut editing sequence of just the cutting of the pizza. <laughs> yep. So I wonder, like, oh, a little. Yeah, a nod, a nod to. <laughs> it's a fun joke because they're kind of like, yep. the Ninjas themselves are like, where do they come up with this stuff? Um, I, I, I was wondering, like, animatronics wise like trying to do that turtle eating the pizza i wonder like how <laughs> how gross all that melted cheese in that foam latex probably got after a bunch of takes but, it, but it's interesting in the documentary which i mean it's it's a shame that the documentary power one is the only real play stream on this film <laughs> they said like in certain lights you could see inside the suits and so okay oh, elias could and enter Elias Coteus, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, a great depiction of Casey Jones. Uh, fun fact, I for theater, we had to do scenes, uh, short scenes for, I don't know, some assignment. And I picked this scene with a, another with a classmate to perform, and the teacher didn't get it at all. <laughs> <laughs> he did not like it when people did movies, as like he wanted us to do plays, so... I can't blame him for uh, not understanding, well, but I enjoyed this I mean, better. James Avery did say that playing Shredder was almost Shakespearean. So yeah. take that, Brad's teacher. <laughs> I also did Predator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very Shakespearean. I'll have you know. <laughs> yeah. Dylan, art thou a son of a bitch? <laughs> so, so do you think kids know who Jose Canseco was, <laughs> even in 1990? okay so this goes back to that whole argument about like you know how much is too much of adult references in a kids movie and i think this movie has fine amount like an okay amount the only thing go does is just kind of date the movie but people know children know but we do (laughs) yeah i mean casey's about to make a humphrey bogart reference yep to Raphael. so it's like that once again like a really old old humor 
like cricket i mean <laughs> kids kids probably don't know what cricket is i mean that's a it's more of a british thing and a crumpet so is casey so strong that <laughs> he can lift Raphael, who probably weighs i don't know 250 300 pounds the shell on his back okay yes i mean i <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun gag but yeah i think it's well he has trained he's trained him he's self-trained self-taught he, he's a loose cannon you know so this guy in the cab the passenger is actually the guy who voices Raphael. Ah. and for the longest time i i could not understand what the cabbie was saying until subtitles were a thing so laguardia is an airport Yes, LaGuardia. And the joke Mayor, is that he's Mayor, so uh, Mayor he's so New York and so unfazed by what's going on that uh yeah. Yeah, you listen to your rat father. Fucking love Splinter. <laughs> You're waiting in the dark this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it makes sense wood because he might be meditating there, man. I believe uh, it's Kevin Clash is operating the uh, Splinter Puppet, who is famous for the Elmo yeah. Puppet on Sesame Street. Yeah, and uh, uh, not really discussed much these days. Is for reasons but um what's interesting is that his stuff apparently had to be shot more often as the backup when the turtle heads were malfunctioning because the uh the uh splinter puppet was hardwired and not um working off of a bunch of electronic circuits so normally with like if the turtle head would go right to his stuff just to cover the day Give me info on Ralph as a character. He's obviously the one that, you know, gravitates. Hey, we got to pause again. You're like, talk, you're, pain. you're like talking over yourself. All right. Sorry about that. We cleared up some uh, technical issues. I can't believe it's 2020 and we're still dealing with video conferencing clarity. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help that I have limited technology. But uh, yeah, maybe you should uh, try and <laughs> get an Ethernet cable downstairs. That's long enough. Bradley, I can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we've got April in here, and um, this is April's Danny. apartment. Who? Yeah. It's a pretty nice apartment. Pretty spacious. I guess she does live above an antique store, so. And maybe it's rent controlled. You never know. Yeah, it's it's the sad story of most New York movies where people live in impossibly nice apartments. <laughs> when I visited New York, I tried to go to Eleventh and Bleecker, and it did not look like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because <laughs> sadly, the real Bleecker does not look like Carolco Studios. <laughs> Ooh, Officer Stearns. Do you think he is Stern because his last name is Stearns? Well, but that that would be that would be put, putting him into a box, Brad. And you know, not all police officers are 
stern, as their name would suggest. So do you think that TV antenna works that well, like under all that concrete? <laughs> I mean, possibly. I mean, oh, there's a lot of TVs now. Oh, uh-oh. So do you think Brad. Foot Clan started just because the Shredder wanted like more TVs to watch at the same time? <laughs> like, why does he have so many TVs? I, I don't have split screen option. <laughs> Jesus. Where they shoot him in the dark is wonderful. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> McLeod. See, look how like the story just overlaps and has layers. Like while well, while well, she's dealing with the police chief, Danny's story is also happening in that background. Yeah, yeah, some good writing right there. Some yeah. good direction. That's the thing that this film doesn't get a credit for is the way it is structuring a very decent comic book story in amidst this, you know, different technology that they have not been able to uh, fully perfect yet. Yeah, and then the, the 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 in the comic books uh, often there was like a B storyline with, um, you know, uh, I guess disenfranchised teenagers or whatever. Um, so the, the whole Danny storyline is kind of a nod to that. But and it's good because it actually ties into what the uh to how. It, it always felt like to me like it's just like it was like the perfect balance of we're going to tell a turtle movie, but we're also going to tie in a relatable character for the an audience entry point character in certain respect, which, you know, Danny does represent that. Yeah. He's also, uh, you know, the, the turtles like this whole movie is they're kind of dealing with the thing with their father, you know, how to be self-sufficient, you know, because, you know, someday he won't be around and that this plot sort of escalates that um yeah yeah danny his father you know his father's uh you know the the rift isn't clear what's there i'm guessing it's either you know obviously their mother isn't around for some reason or his mother's not around for some reason and then um i don't know maybe charles is a workaholic yeah as i'm guessing it would seem like that so then as a result he's just kind of he has no direction and no guiding force yeah and uh ralph coming in to save the day here hey hey fun fact so so teenage mutant ninja turtles was known to be parodying daredevil you think daredevil parodied uh teenage mutant ninja turtles for its subway scene where ben affleck lets a criminal get crushed underneath the train (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe they just recycled i don't think that was a subway set i think that was a real like back in the 1990, I imagine you could call the MTA and say, hey, can we shut down a line for a couple of shots? Yeah, now now to do that would require the fortune of a, a billion Jeff Bezoses. <laughs> yeah. It'd just be a Although, CGI. Makes me wonder if during this, it makes me wonder during this situation if they're actually shutting down the MTAs like completely. But. Nice shot of Splinter in the mirror back there. Yes. Kudos to cinematographer. Oof. Like so funny. (laughs) 
If you woke up and saw a giant rat looking over you, Brad, what would you do? Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my reaction. I don't know why she's surprised that he's talking because the turtles just talked. So it's, it's shock. I mean, <laughs> again, I it was like I was just asking if you saw a rat as you woke up, like, and it was talking to you. What would your reaction be? <laughs> <laughs> A little Harrison Ford reference there. Uh, we're getting the origin story now. Yeah, which is uh, different from, well, I guess the, the cartoon is different from the comics. This is the comics version. Okay. So, and in the TV show, Splinter and Hamato Yoshi are the same person. Mm -hmm. But in the original comics here, uh, yeah, Splinter is a rat and he's the pet of Hamato Yoshi. There's a little bit of the canister in the background of that shot there. Yeah. No, no ooze in it, but yeah. <laughs> that was us. <laughs> there it is. That's a, a great that, origin story, like represented on film right here. That the the canister design there is uh, different from the the sequels, uh, but it is the design for our Real Nerds podcast Pint Glass, which we which hope you? will be at the con this year. Yeah, yeah, it says it, it's you, you'll be able to see it eventually. <laughs> uh, these baby turtles are my most vivid memory of this movie from when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah people have, uh, even NECA gave them their own little figures for, uh, as toys. And they kind of look similar to the original designs for the characters. Yeah. Radical, radical, radical. <laughs> Kids at home, don't don't put don't put knives in your teeth. <laughs> it's a sigh, Zach. <laughs> it's a sigh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Sighs <laughs> are okay. Knives are not. I got to find out what the reference to Ninth Street is. Like, is it a stinky place? Normally? No, I'm not sure. You should have brought in my dad for a cameo appearance to talk about his knowledge of New York. <laughs> so here's something else about the, the world of uh, Ninja Turtles. Manholes are not that large in diameter, I don't think. No, no. I mean, I they're, they're refer to them as person holes. Yeah, th yeah, they can be pretty big, but like I don't think it's big enough to let a turtle ch turtle person through. Yeah, with the shell and everything. You know that's pretty profound. We all eat pizza, Brad. We do. 
God, this set looks great. Look at all that, text, that texture. and Although for a place that's inhabited by other people, it's pretty quiet. Uh, like a, well, is it late in New York at this point? I mean, New York never sleeps. There's, there should be other people walking around that neighborhood. <laughs> like every five I minutes. Right, I completely forgot that the city doesn't sleep. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty weird that it's just completely empty. So hey, yeah, a little Rocky reference in here. Yeah, for all those uh, kids who watched Rocky. <laughs> oh, here's a James <laughs> Cagney reference for all those kids who uh, are familiar with 1920s gangsters. Yep. <laughs> so what we got here? There's a Cran Apple, a Diet Pepsi, some Parmesan, a regular Pepsi. Looks like Pellegrino. Also, fun oh, fact: Jimmy Cagney never, Jimmy Cagney never said "you dirty rat." Fun fact. Oh, Mikey screwed yeah. up the quote. That is that is inspired by imitations of of James Cagney, uh, yeah. and that just kind of got taken a little bit too far. And Cagney himself addressed it in an AFI tribute. So, just a painting of a Dober, <laughs> Doberman in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wonder what artist that is. Judith Hogue, by the way, very good April O'Neil. You know, very solid, very likable. Yeah, I mean, nothing against, um, oh, got a blanket on who replaced her in the other two movies. Paige Tuco or? Yeah, Paige uh, Turco. Uh, yeah. Who's fine, but yeah, I'm not sure why they felt the need to replace her. Um, eh, maybe a contract or money or whatever. Oh no! So now, now the turtle storyline is really kicking into gear. They're presented with a problem. Now they don't know what to do. Uh, that much trash is completely accurate, <laughs> as we saw when we visited Henry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Monday nights, man restaurants just because there's no yeah there's no like back alley trash collection it's all right out in the street there yeah too dense it's yeah. a great like rotating camera move yeah again like this this film is able to go to visually dynamic places yeah like what a great way to make just a guy singing a destiny look cool and tell the story Got a nice wide shot of Central Park. I'm guessing at sunrise. Yep. So this is weird. Does you, do you think your boss would ever just come over and check on you, like on the way to work? Um. No. No. That, that's not how retail works in America, Brad. I guess that's how journalism works. I, I don't know. Yeah. And they may be a little bit more tight-knit. My boss could care less about where I am at any given point of the day. Well, actually, I have a new job right now, so less. I don't know if that's true. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could care less about where I am at any given point of the day. So. <laughs> yeah, couldn't. Couldn't with an N apostrophe T, Zach. <laughs> Oh, Mikey's busted. Yep. Oh. 
Well, he just follows her into her bathroom, which is a really big bathroom, too. Yeah. Interesting cur- sh- uh, shower curtain. Yeah, it's a mustache dude in a raincoat. <laughs> <laughs> and ducks. I I feel April's pain because I don't want anybody to see my bathroom either. I mean, this is probably actually a a soundstage. Now, yeah. I mean, it looks realistic as hell. Like, I, I believe this is a apartment in New York, even though it's insanely big. But it does look. It doesn't look like a soundstage to me. And I was I was no, going to point that out earlier. Is I watched the animatronics of the turtles, and I never ever feel like people always like to joke that it's like people in in, in suits. But there's something about it where I don't look at it, and I I don't see that. Well, it's a combination of animatronic puppetry and the stunt work by the team that they assembled via their knowledge at Golden Harvest. So, like, it, the the effect works because you're combining a lot of different elements. And I and I noticed in the in this first film, unlike in the later two sequels, because a lot of the fight scenes are in the darkness, you're not necessarily seeing the difference, and it, the it, the imagination works better for this than it does in the other two, where there's so high like it's high key lighting yeah and you can see that the the clearly the mouths aren't moving when they're doing the fighting and stuff this one oh little little narc video game say no to drugs kids yeah i, I still have that game is awesome um <laughs> yeah so we've got the uh shredders lair uh the compound for all the the kids hang out and do whatever they want um you know, even, know though, even though they're villains, this is actually a pretty sweet place. Like, can you imagine having like a place like this in Denver to hang out at? I, I'd join the foot too. I mean, this this should have been the design for the Boys and Girls Club of America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, and I don't know, Brad. Like, if there's an indoor skate park and <laughs> unregulated pool, like I don't know, maybe I should turn to a life of crime. <laughs> Just stacks of soda, basketball hoops. Oh yeah, yeah. No, katsu. no Yeah. <laughs> Because I appreciate the Foot Clan doesn't try to get their members drunk. Yeah, yeah. It's not like they're they're handing out drugs to these kids and like they're handing out fun. Yeah, there's then, Archie Comics there even. <laughs> hey, maybe uh, maybe if you want to like also do some martial arts and become a, a ninja thief, you could do that too. It's interesting they uh, did that little shot of the Archie Comics. Like Archie did kind of do a comic book more in line with the cartoon show yeah I, I i'm surprised it wasn't actually a mirage studios box to fully wonder if, i wonder like so do you know how much uh input mirage and kevin and uh peter had in the making of it uh it sounds like they did have a uh, quite a bit um yeah I, i'm sure they weren't on set like dictating like no do this because um you know they they had zero experience in in the industry prior to this so but it sounds like steve Barron and kevin and peter did kind of like go back and forth like on a few details like i guess steve Barron was really uh, dedicated to emulating the original comics as much as possible you know and at the time again it wasn't like the turtles were a, a phenomenon uh like the cartoon show was big but like once this movie came out like it really like it, at one point this was the highest grossing indie movie of all time yeah. you know this yeah, wasn't this is, wasn't originally released under the like Warner Brothers I guess or Paramount 
No, so Love this was well. So New Line at the time that it released, New Line was a studio that was not owned by Warner Brothers. It was it was an independent distribution uh, studio that. Sorry, uh, hang on a second. Uh, I just let's take a moment to like look at how cool the shredder is. Oh, you know what a great introduction this is. And it's so it's so it, it it's just so dramatic, and it's got it's it's got an edge to it that like, and it's not that I'm wanting to, you know, exemplify the world of edge Lords, but this, like this gives it a real menace for, for, for this situation. It adds stakes to the movie. If you present him as a true threat. Like every day Tatsu has to come out and roll back his Cape. And then those two guys have to roll out a carpet. I would actually, that, Every that day. would be a good, that would be a good role for me, Brad. You know, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. Maybe I should be a carpet roller for you. You make a great carpet lackey. We should you should do that for each of the podcast episodes. Like roll out a carpet for Ryan. <laughs> is it a red carpet or is it a different color carpet to like more cater to his style? <laughs> red, red's our color, yeah. Okay, our cool. accent All right, color. I, I'm gonna get a red carpet, and then when we're done with uh, stay at home, I will roll out the carpet for for ryan and then roll it back for you <laughs> uh well back at kevin eastman put on sale on his website the uh the foot clan uh bandanas so i picked one up so yeah I'll post that on my instagram at some point do it but yeah i will say um so new line though it was a studio that primarily its biggest hit at this point would have been the Nightmare on Elm Street series and it was distributing mainly horror films and around around this era they start getting into you know trying to expand beyond the horror genre that they had been known for and even prior to this they had done stuff for John Waters um so this is like this this takes them into an even bigger stratosphere when they release it and actually the producer of this film he was getting calls to say, well, can we have the rights to the sequels? And they said, well, no, it's going to stay with the people who believed in it, which is New Line Cinema. So when New Line Cinema got acquired by Warner Brothers, that's how Warner Brothers gets a stake in the franchise. And then eventually the entire sale to Paramount just kind of happens as a form of acquisition. Oh, Mikey. No, Mikey. That's mean. <laughs> Some similar cinematography to what we would see in the news segments for Batman 89, too. Yeah. Uh, it's a kind of a pre-sensationalism journalism days. Yeah. And it's interesting how, like, I mean, I, I don't know how much influence it could have had on it, but this and Batman 89 have have not the same tone, obviously, because Burton's a different director, but the, the vis, visual aesthetics of it, like, they, they fall in tandem with each other. Yeah, I, again, like, the news in that, that, that time was way less, uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, higher end, you know. It, yeah. All you had to do was sit in front of a desk and like, you know, there was, there's that great joke in Anchorman where, or Anchorman 2, I think, where they start just filling up the screen with all the graphics, like tickers and stock things. And back, back then here, it's just like two people in front of a desk and that's it. 
Like maybe there's an image in the corner. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty simple, pretty standard. So would they have like have they have they hit out in April's apartment in the past? Uh, like I said, the issue ten. Um, I forget. I think I think it is that they're hiding for the Foot Clan. Um, but yeah, they're hanging out at April's apartment for that mm. storyline. It's not like a, a ongoing thing. It just it was for this part of the the run. But it's but, but again, but it still manages to keep them in a little bit of a low light, so that they still have a still they there's still a mystery to them. Yeah. Even as they eat pork rinds. Oh, ooh, damn! Out of the turtles. Oh yeah, they swear a bunch in this movie. Can you imagine being a, a stunt person and having to stand on that rooftop with no guardrail and in the in that costume try to do those flips like? That's genuine fear, Brad. That's genuine fear that I do not want to experience. Because they, they, they couldn't always see out of them, and apparently those masks were very suffocating, is what like the documentary was saying. Yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful back shot there. Oof. I'm surprised uh, the Foot Clan's able to get a jump on Raphael, but I guess he is consumed with in his thoughts right now. You know, the movie started with them you know, running around in the dark uh, pretty stealthily. So you think yeah. Raph would be more attuned to someone sneaking up on him. And again, it allow because there's an emotional, uh, there's an emotional bent to everything. Like he's, he can, he's allowed to have that distracted moment because we've come to like him as a character. Yeah. I was assuming he's preoccupied. It's not focusing on his ninja training. I like Mikey's just like, yeah. <laughs> Goes right back into watching the show. <laughs> but, well, so Oh, he Mike... just got those sighs back. <laughs> oh, did you see Raph's belt came on came apart yep. in that shot? Never saw that before. By the way, uh t- t- talk a little bit about the belts on the turtles because initially the comics they didn't have anything to really distinguish themselves other than their weapons. Yeah, there was the comics. They pretty much they all look the same except for what weapons they're holding. So in the cartoon, they changed up the, uh, the mask colors, which is, is a good idea just in general. Uh, but they did add reinforce it with the letters of their first names on their belts. So, you know, just to show, make it easier for kids to distinguish between them. You know, if you, if you couldn't figure out the color, at least you had the belt to fall back on. Yeah. I like that line, by the way, just now. Like, how do you guys expect to beat me? <laughs> <laughs> just by overpowering him with numbers. Yep. Ralph's arrogance never ceases to amaze me. I love it. Are, are you saying Ralph? Like Ralph Garner? Ra- Ra- no, no, Ralph. <laughs> Ralph, Ralph, sorry. It's been a couple times I'm like, oh, that, that was a bit mistake one time. And then yeah. like three no, times later, no, I'm like, it's, it, it's he me think he's Ralph? I it's me. Again, I, this is why you're the expert and I am not. Uh, oh, Mikey. This is a great little edited sequence how all the the sound yeah. notes are playing off each other. 
Yep, the match cut. Beautiful. <laughs> so I always thought he says he'll probably drop in any minute now, but hey, he didn't. That been funny. <laughs> and now you get to destroy it. That's, that's clearly a printed backdrop outside the window there. Yeah. You'll see that again by the end of the movie. Which, by the way, we're only, we're only able to really truly notice it now with the glory of HD. But I'm sure back in the 90s, it, you could not even t tell. Oh, yeah. And again, the testament to matte paintings and their power to work their magic on the audience. That looks shocker, eh? <laughs> I think we're, uh, it's subtle, but I think we're dealing with a different uh, Michelangelo suit because the, the head looks slightly different. How are we doing on time, by the way? Uh, I don't know. It's it's not showing me a countdown thing, so I'm just watching the uh, the system clock. Cool. I mean, we've already broken the show up into two places, so if it ends, it ends. Oh, Mikey, that jokester! That dude's head is just crushed. <laughs> There's just this... <laughs> When did that foot soldier get passed out and thrown on, <laughs> on the dresser back there? Like they just started the fight. Well, the Foot Clan's not necessarily known for their immediate preparation. That line, don't, don't knock them all out. I couldn't, it was unintelligible for years until subtitles. Like that really perplexed, perplexed me for a long time. Like, what's he saying? Uh, Wheel of Fortune, for those who don't know, is a television show of the game variety. You know, a reference to Wheel of Fortune for all those kids who watch Wheel of Fortune and Vanna White. Probably, probably were needed, forced to watch it by their parents before anything cool came on. <laughs> Look, they've even like updated the suits to include bruises. Like You can see discolorations where the turtles have been punched. Yep. Really and good also attention just, to detail. And, natu and natural turtle features, like little turtle spots and stuff like that, you know? Here you get a little bit of the, uh, the stuff that Golden Harvest was really good at, which is just always upping the scale with as many, as many different combatants as possible. <laughs> uh, uh, symbolically, uh, you know, the, the, the fight started out on the um, top floor, and it's Increasingly going lower and lower into the depths <laughs> yep. of the story. Not, so narratively, not, it's... Yeah, it's, it's not unlike the, the way the, the narrative progresses in something like 36 Chambers of Shaolin, where you just keep progressing moment by moment. In this case, we're going down. Yeah, you know? the, the turtles are that they're going to be at their lowest point at the end of the scene. Yep. Ah, uh, a little piano gag there. And another symbol joke. I <laughs> love it. Look at all those cool typewriters. I'm actually jealous of how many cool antiques are in this shop. <laughs> yeah. Like, I actually want to go here. Yeah. Months prior to this commentary, I worked at a thrift store. In, in no way did we have anything as cool as the amount of stuff they have in here. 
Uh oh. Could it be Elias Coteus? It is. So in the comics, this scene, um, uh, Casey Jones introduces his famous. Look at Tassie just standing back there, like not doing anything. <laughs> like this would be a perfect time to take down the tree. Anyway, uh, but he he says his famous catch uh, catchphrase "Gungala," but uh-huh. they they don't use it in this movie, which I thought was uh, interesting. Did they ever use it in the movies? I can't recall. Uh, I don't. I'm pretty sure he never says it. Hmm. Yeah. But Brad, it, ever... It's a weird catchphrase, so I, I guess I can understand that. That is a big kid. <laughs> Brad, if you ever get to reboot the Ninja Turtles, you just got to promise me that you'll let him say Goongala. I think he did it once in uh, the 2003 show because they were okay. pretty good about Easter eggs like that. Damn, now imagine being in those suits with that much fire and that much heat going oh, you're, on. Oh, yeah, you're sweating oh. your balls off. Oh, dude, how much weight could you lose? Brad, I should be in a turtle movie so I could lose some more weight. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, all this exercise was fucking bullshit. I could have just been in a Ninja Turtle movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Casey does Casey um, uh, in the comics how long does it take for him to kind of switch over to the good side for the turtles is it just like in that it's like you were saying in that 10th issue um, I he actually I, uh, there's like a one off uh, called just all Raphael mm-hmm. um, where a lot of the uh, the, the scene in the, in the park where they they meet him and Raphael, um, that's where that comes from. Um, but I don't I don't think he was ever not on their side because he was always kind of presented as just like an additional vigilante amid, amidst the turtles themselves. Yeah, uh, like his like he starts out like he's watching the news at home and just getting increasingly frustrated with all the bad stuff going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he decides to take it upon himself to become the vigilante on his own. And yeah, the, like that whole process just kind of lines up with what Raphael's up to. Yeah. This scene is brutal. Shredder in, in, getting at, getting at Splinter there, like for children, like, like, cause kids would be the main target for this movie. Yeah. Just, yeah that's incredible. I actually argue like they're probably making it for teens because the teens were in the comics, but uh, true, true, you know, true, it, yeah. it came out like the, the cartoon had blown up by then. So people just probably assumed that it was geared toward kids. But I, I generally think this was made for the comics fans first and it just co- coincided with the rise of the show. Yeah. And then once you get to the sequel that they released, you know, obviously the phenomenon had grown so much that they just, they, yeah. in, in Peter Laird's words, they said that he, he felt they took a step backward with the sequel to Booms. But. Yeah, like they, they, they really started to rely on the show as, as their template. So, which is why the character designs, like their eyes and everything look more cartoonish. More expressive, yeah. More expressive, yeah, yeah. Easier to connect with. Whereas I find them hard to connect with because here I feel like they're just, they are realistic. Yep. Like there's actually life behind them. At least Shredder put a box underneath Splinter's feet. Yeah. 
Because it seems like he's nasty enough that he would have just let him hang like that. As we'll find out by the end of the movie, Danny's angst just re- stems from the fact that he has to call himself uh, Danny and not Dan. <laughs> That's what his whole storyline amounts to. Yeah, yeah. But but Brad, just if, if you've learned anything, it's that the 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 cool animatronics are the real stars of this movie, <laughs> and Elias Coteus and Judith Pogue. <laughs> so. Uh... On Google Maps, I saw an update of this house uh-huh. in the countryside, and a lot of this vegetation is gone. Really? Yeah. Wow. They, Deforest- uh, deforestation or just natural yeah. decay? Whoever owned uh, it decided to just raise it and uh, you know, spruce it up. It's like a more controlled environment. So, yeah. So, the, so not only do we need to fix environmental laws for the sake of our futures as human beings, but otherwise you ruin the aesthetics of a perfectly good 1990 movie. Gosh, wake up, world. The, the house, the exterior of the house kind of reminds me of the, the buyer's house in Halloween. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a similar style at the outside. Obviously, inside a little bit way different, but this whole uh, <laughs> yeah, this whole uh, farmhouse thing is a reference to the Return to New York storyline, which I think is issues twenty one through twenty three. So that is actually that. that that brings up a question. Like, but that, by the point that they're making the movie, how many issues have Eastman and Laird brought out? How how many issues were in the Eastman and Laird run? Are you asking? At that at that time at that time up till the movie. Oh, and by nineteen ninety. Yeah. Gosh, I don't I don't know. Um, I, the by the end of the run, it was seventy. Mm, okay. You get seventy, seventy-two, maybe seventy-three. <laughs> so I'm. But they I'm, had plenty to work off of. Yeah, I like like I said, uh, th- even though this movie came out in, by nineteen ninety, so the there have been six six years of issues, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they weren't like, you know, DC and Marvel where they came out consistently like every month, you know. There was doubling up in highs and lows. So uh, I think by like 94, 95, they had 70 or 72. So yeah. 1990, probably maybe 20 or 30. Okay. So, that, so they had plenty of storylines to work off of for this. Yeah, and and you know, and they, yeah, and also because the success was so unexpected from that first issue that, like, of course, there's like a bit of a catch up they have to do within a certain respect to keep the to you know keep up with the demand because that first printing sold out. Yeah, many times. Yeah. So I did not understand they were playing a, a game with the insults there for the longest time. I thought they're just saying a random stuff, but the game is alphabetically they are coming up with insults. <laughs> so that's why it's gack free gack face and then hose brain. It's because yeah. DNH. Yeah. I did, uh-huh. did not, did not get that until 
I was a teenager and someone pointed it out to me. Oh, Mikey. Don't every, t- every time I watch this in a communal setting, people laugh at this scene and I don't get it. <laughs> it's sad, man. Yeah, that's why I don't get it. Like, apparently I mean, this is funny. Yeah. The image, the image of Mikey in the bathtub, the way he is, is strange. Well, it's Raphael in the bathtub, but yeah. Uh, well, oh, Raphael. I thought it was Mikey. Oh, maybe the color on my screen. Well, Raphael's the one who got beat up, so I don't know why. No, that, yeah, that's true. No, I just it looked like the orange. It looked like the orange headband. So, hmm. that's just to mine again. You know, maybe I maybe I caught colorblind this from James. I'm not sure. It, it. I guess we're also going to gloss over. I guess. April's a really good artist. <laughs> is she, so is she in the comics? <laughs> no. <Nope>. Cartoon? <laughs> Not that I was oh. aware of. Yeah. Um, Again, movies can make their changes. Yeah. I think they're more of uh, whoever, I don't know, did storyboards or costume design. Uh, the director probably just, hey, throw these under her and now she's she's an artist herself. Mm-hmm. Look at that April uh, drawing a line in the sand for female empowerment yep. long before the Me Too movement. Good for her. And look at Elias Goteas representing the male population as it's always been. <laughs> in sweat Good job, dance. fatty. <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard somewhere that that was actually an accident. Like that wasn't planned. Well, that's a good to break. Hey, that's the case. That's a really good, you know, catch of that footage. Yeah. Oh, it is right. Ra- okay, sorry. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I thought it was Mikey in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would be my, Why would Leonardo be concerned that Mikey's passed out in the bathtub? Like, that's why I was confused. <laughs> it has been a while since I've watched this first one. <laughs> And you have the, the, the leader of the group consoling the loose cannon of the group. Yeah. And Leonardo established as the leader, you know, I find it interesting how, you know, it's you know, usually kind of considered the leader character, like, you know, the straight lace, the boring, the Superman of them all. But I think Leonardo's got a fine personality of just dignity to him. I like him. Yeah. Well, he's also, you know, he's the leader, but um, he's still learning. Like he is a yeah. teenager. People also laugh at this part where he's yelling it on top of the barn, which I don't get either. I think that that level of it goes back to what you were saying about people who comment that, oh, the animatronics look terrible, those guys in suits and whatnot. And they're just not, you know, if you can't dig into the world that you're in, like or at least a like you know meet it on its terms then all art's going to look ridiculous to you so the the, the people that you're referring to are are jerks <laughs> <laughs> again like just the imagery obviously like it's not like it's not on surface level bad but just like if you're looking in this imagery of like shredder and his henchmen like the smuggling going on in his warehouse like geez just like a, a bunch of solid imagery there to create that menace. I 
and actually this the visually out here with this fight montage this training montage is very much like in the vein of a of a kung fu or a, a martial arts film back in the era that golden harvest would have produced whether it was jackie chan or any of their other stable the stars it's nice how they kind of capture the visual aesthetic for that purpose mm. So in a sense, this this movie is not only you know saluting the source material, but also the things that inspired the source material. So April and Casey, will they or won't they? Is that a question for me or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm actually yeah from the for, from the context of the history of the turtles. Are they a will they won't they? Sam and Diane situation? Uh, yeah, they will, and they will have a kid named Shadow. Ah. Uh, wait a minute. It, that's mentioned in the TMNT movie, isn't it? The cartoon one? Yeah. Or that, CGI thought, one? Yeah, it's Shadow. Like, something's referenced that they're together, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they're, they are at least dating in the, in the CGI movie, as far as I can remember. Okay. I didn't know about the shadow child, oh, the, the, ch- the, the child named Shadow. But. Yeah, that's really late in the original comics run, like around issue 70-ish, I think. Hmm. Okay, telekinetic? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ninja is operating on a, a higher level beyond, okay. the physical, beyond the physical realm. But in that the, also, in the turtles, and that also, I guess, falls in line with them able to adding in sci-fi and other types of elements that are beyond just the normal realm. Yeah, like compared to what goes on later in the comics with like Dimension X and Triceratons and outer space, um, and Utrams, like this is pretty telekine or tele telepathy. Yeah, I, telepathy I said is, the wrong yeah. yeah, telepathy is more believable. I think. Yeah, I remember. This is one thing I remember from as a kid. I was jealous that I could never stick a bunch of marshmallows on a bunch of different extending branches. <laughs> but these turtles were allowed to. So I always felt like I was gypped out of a great childhood as a result. This is another scene where I'm confused by the audience's reaction. Um, people uh, interpret this as like splinters actually manifesting out of the fire in front of them. Whereas mm-hmm. I always read it as this is just uh, an abstract, like what what's in the fire is what they're actually seeing inside their heads. That but, would make more sense. Yeah, like he's not actually coming out of the fire, mm. like in the forest. Like well, it's, it, it's it's visually more interesting rather than just like cutting away to some black space and having some faded looking splinter, like talking to the or, camera. I think this you know, framing is much more visually interesting. So Yeah. And it's also better than just having like a bunch of close ups on their heads on a tracking shot going around. Like yeah. this one you're kind of you're kind of you're creating two different scenes within a single scene as a result. As you notice they're all keeping their eyes closed. So clearly this is the voice in their heads. Yeah. Yeah that meditation. But apparently it's not clear clearly because when I go to midnights and I've watched this, like people kind of laugh and like uh, comment like that well, it's, they, they think he's actually coming out of the fire it's bizarre 
Well, you know, Brad, those same people probably also don't understand the badassery of Yoda as a Force ghost in Last Jedi. So, again, these guys are losers by comparison. <laughs> yeah, that must be it is because uh, of Star Wars, they think, in Ghost, yeah. that he's actually there. I'm pretty sure that that imagery that Lucas presented with the Force ghost has definitely taken on some baggage for any other film that tries to do it going forward. Yeah, corrupted a lot of minds. Yes, exactly. <laughs> As we found out these past five years. It's a sweet little scene of uh, getting some of Casey's backstory, how he used to actually play professional hockey. Yeah. Um, and had to quit due to an injury. Oh, shit. Here we go. Again, we're seeing a, a New York that has no people in it. <laughs> it's it's raining, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. He used the adage, it's raining cats and dogs out there. So, of course, they're going to be inside. Like, I get that it's grimy and dirty, but I really miss this look of New York. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, New York had a character to it. And then Giuliani cleaned it up, obviously, in the 90s. And, yeah. Swept up a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I'd, I mean, we'd have to ask Henry, but I'd imagine that not all of it looks as pristine as, you know, what's presented on the surface level in Times Square. It, it does. Like I've been there two or three times, and it's really clean. Like, okay, it's, it looks very. Again, I haven't been everywhere, but it definitely doesn't. A lot of it does not look like this. Right. No, this is missed. still. This, in this point, your New York has still still has the characteristics of what you would see established in things like Taxi Driver, where you know the city itself has kind of fallen into a decay, and also the, this film, with a lot of other films about New York prior to Giuliani cleaning it up, are a representation of this. There's still a fear in that city, and there's a high crime rate, and uh, all those things that sociopolitically kind of tie into that situation. Which is why, again, like you can take a concept like this and apply serious stakes to it, even if it's got, you know, as we're discussing, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this scene where Donnie's about to mess around with Casey, mm -hmm. up until recently, I didn't really think about it, but is it a little bit of a homophobic joke? Ooh. Like, I always thought it like, Casey was just getting upset because he's just being picked on. I wonder if it's because Casey's misinterpreting um, claustrophobic as homophobic. Because he says, I've never, you've never even looked at another guy before. He, it might, you know, well, so then I, I guess it kind of goes into that discussion of, you know, when we talk about, you know, jokes about homophobia and, you know, homosexuality in the, in the 80s and 90s specifically. I didn't see it that way. Um, when I watched this, because like the times that I watched this, obviously as a kid, and then there's like one or two times like where I watched it. I think prior to going to that uh, the TMNT one in 2007. So I don't think I saw it that way necessarily. But I might be misreading. I mean, it I mean, could I hope easily. Not. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, like it, it certainly wouldn't be un uncharacteristic of a film of this era. But I would imagine that it's probably not because it's also we were saying this is aimed towards teens, but it's also, they're fully aware that children like these characters. Yeah. Real quick, uh, uh, before it goes away, this pizza funeral. Oh, um, pizza funeral, man. Oh. I, always, I, I, I always couldn't tell if they were 
like if they were doing it because they couldn't eat it because it had expired or because they were still going to eat it anyway because it was, it was expired. So they're being like, they're saluting it because they're about to actually eat it <laughs> and they cut away before they do. Or if it was that they were not going to eat it because it had, I, I wasn't sure how to take that scene. <laughs> they're, they're, they're cutting away before they do anything with it, like throwing it away. So they could be getting ready to get down on the floor and eat it before they vomit. Yeah. <laughs> that pizza does look disgusting from that box. <laughs> Yeah, most likely they're they're just they're saluting it because they can't eat it because it has expired. But there's always part of me that was like, well, maybe they're saluting it because it's about to go into their stomachs. <laughs> yeah, because you know they are above their low point, but they are still in distressing. It's in, pizza. In a distressing, yeah, they're, exactly. They're, they're not going to let pizza go to waste. Yeah, exactly. It's not to say that the turtles are stress eaters, mind you, but you know, pizza is a very addictive food. Come on, guys. Someone cover up that manhole. Someone could fall in. <laughs> Brad, I don't know what you're talking about. Manholes have no possibility of ever affecting me. I need to figure out what bridge. I think this is Roosevelt Island, actually. Oh, uh, Terminal? What? Terminal Island? Uh, Roosevelt. The... The location, because that's it's obviously not a soundstage because it has the New York yeah. skyline and bridge behind it. But I think uh, like this warehouse, well, I, this inside might be a soundstage, but the outside uh, that we just saw is actually a warehouse that has since been torn down. But I, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the island. It's not like, you know, in the city. It's outside the city on one of the like little islands. You know, like the Statue of Liberty has. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Like, no, there are several, there are different offshoot, like little islands and whatnot. Yeah. Uh oh. You were supposed to help me, you little fucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just been hanging out with your sons. <laughs> totally forgot about you, old man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you want me to tell them you're here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so are you like hungry and stuff? <laughs> oh, this is another one. Uh, yeah. So this flashback here, it's one of the reasons why I love Splinter is like, this is a rat who trained, even though he was just a rat, he trained under a great martial artist, man. Yeah. Like people often laugh at that too about that animatronic rat doing martial arts, but rats are really intelligent creatures. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they know how to learn. And just look at the imagery here. Obviously, you know, footage is a little decayed for, within this context, but, like, just the, the power of this kind of, I wouldn't call it Kurosawa imagery necessarily, but it's just powerful enough to give this backstory some grounded, some grounded reality. It's 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 impre it, it has a different type of aesthetic to it than the rest of the narration. It just it gives it gives a sense of style, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Uh, speaking of style, I forgot to mention earlier because uh, I've mentioned Steve Barron a, a bunch of times. Uh, Steve Barron is also famous for directing um, some Michael Jackson videos, music videos. Yes. I think the Billie Jean one with the uh, the light up sidewalk. 
yeah. which and again has a very similar aesthetic to this movie. See, I don't, I don't know how you laugh at that puppet. It looks tragic. It looks lovely. Yeah. I can hear you vaping. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Nicotine vape, guys. I'm sorry. This is when Danny realizes that he's been a pawn this whole time. So look how quick change uh, Casey is with this uh, costume switch. He, he should be a ninja himself. Yeah. Well, and again, but again, this is a this is a classic gag where you just you know you you say hey you over here and then you quickly change into their attire. Like it's this is classic film one hundred and one right here. This would be terrifying, like having Oof. the shredder see his symbol in the dirt. <laughs> Yeah. Like if this if this was the comics, Danny would probably be dead. Like the shredder just would have killed him right there. It's very similar to how you react whenever I mistreat one of the shirts you designed for Comic Con. <laughs> <laughs> you stare me down in a very disturbing mask. And you and you, you know, use your hand claws to threaten me with <laughs> a, almost certain death. I made this costume. I'll just wear it the next time I see you. So I can stare oh, you down in it. God. I'm afraid now. Wow, Danny, this is really good. <laughs> My God. Did you draw this? <laughs> we should harvest your talents for our own evil purposes. You make our campaign poster Shredder 2020. Can you draw me? <laughs> <laughs> draw me like one of your turtle girls. <laughs> Do you think anyone heard that? <laughs> <laughs> no, Shredder. I didn't see you playing with your drawings again. <laughs> Very interesting design for the Foot Clan soldiers with those kind of bug fly eyes and whatnot. Yeah, that's how they, uh, pretty much how they were in the comics. Uh, obviously, they had to make them into robots for the cartoon because they're going to kill a bunch of them, you know? Yeah. You can kill a robot. You can't kill a person. Yeah. Well, they've got those uh, toe shoes going yeah. there. It's a huh. typical uh, martial arts footwear. Wow. Not sure why this toe is separated like that, but I'm sure there's a good reason. <laughs> it's not that I didn't know that. It's just more like this is the first time I'm noticing it on them with this print. Yeah. Interesting. So this upcoming shot of Raphael eating the apple um, mm -hmm. was also a bit confusing for me. Because I couldn't tell if he was saying like he wanted more apples or he wanted more foot soldiers to fight. But then I guess he does say like, oh, good. I think it's there's more of them, the soldiers, because then they show up right on time. Yeah, because he didn't get to do any fighting because he was eating that apple. <laughs> yeah. It's usually why I can't help you defeat enemies is because I'm usually eating apples in the corner. <laughs> Good question. This there's there's Splinter doing his best uh, Alex Murphy RoboCop uh, impression. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> so I would. I'm wondering if this if this particular version of the puppet is just a little bit more life size 
to say, or well, I guess it's it, you know they're lifting him up and he was on a box. Never mind. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm guessing that shot is just a torso, a splinter torso. There's probably no legs yeah. for it. Pretty interesting, just like the the scale of those. Not just the obviously the turtles have scale because they're in suits, but that puppet is to scale smaller than the rest of them. See right there, they're not treating April. Look at, look at Sam Rockwell trying to get his face on camera. <laughs> he just steps into the shot just enough. You know, I mean, I, props to Sam Rockwell for all of his success. But why haven't we given Elias Coteus an Oscar yet? Yeah, he, he nails this character so well. It's amazing. I mean, dude, like, I mean, and that's not even like a joking or a mocking thing. I like, guess it's just like he's He's really good at what he does, and this is a clear example of it. This and even, I'd argue he's fine in three. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't get much to do, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, remind me, because it's been a while since I've watched Secret of the Use, Casey Jones is replaced or just not in the second He's just part. not in it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was a strange omission. Well, because rightfully so. Could, oh, or Sam Rockwell. Again, like Casey must be superhumanly strong. Because he can just hit people with sticks and they just fly across the room. I think, like much like John Goodman in nearly every Coen Brothers movie he's in, he's just given superpowers. Because <laughs> much like John Goodman in those movies, he's able to just lift people unnaturally with ease. How, like, look how hard this. Like, this is how amazing this is. The guy in a stunt suit that he can't see out of has to skate on the skateboard down this. Yeah this track with like junk and obstacle in the way how many injuries do you think were on this set realistically <laughs> one just one that's how good they were and he puts you in a movie called moon <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there's sam rockwell doing his first uh, vin diesel impression <laughs> we're family <laughs> And Elias Cotesis is trying to make sure that he heard the greatest catchphrase in history. <laughs> also, poor Tatsu. I kind of wish he uh, he never really gets to show off his himself as a martial artist. Like in this movie, he gets knocked out with a uh, golf club right away. And right. then and two, he just gets smashed with turtle shells. Right. I guess... Um, He's he uh, his voice is being dubbed because the actor's English is not so great. So, mm -hmm. I believe Jackie. Ch I believe Jackie Chan had that happen to him more than once in the early years of his career. Yeah, but I guess uh, this guy who plays Tatsu, he doesn't even understand what he's saying, like what the what what the meaning is behind anything he's saying. So. Oh. Hey, hey, before Thor and Captain America had their little back and forth banter, it was Donatello and Mikey guys. Yeah, these are these are original Avengers guys. Yes, exactly. Don't don't kidnap rats. You'll or else they'll be avenged. Yeah. Because if, if we can't protect the rat, you can be damn sure we'll avenge it. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is Raphael. <laughs> 
Here we go. Head back up narratively, rising again. Yep. And that catchphrase we just heard, I love being a turtle. Again, major street brawl going on. No one's poking their head out the window. Mm -hmm. In the middle of the, one of the, the most populous cities in the world. Anyway. Randy, what is that outside? Don't be alarmed, Maxine. It's just a bunch of turtles fighting a bunch of samurai, ninja, clan thingies, whatever. Now go to bed. That kick when Raphael rolls and then jumps up and kicks in yeah. 5.1 sounds amazing. Oh. No more? <laughs> a little Mark Wahlberg in there. Awesome now introduction for the final fight. So here's where some of my knowledge might come in. This, 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 this final sequence on the rooftop does heavily, is very heavily influenced by the comics. Am I correct in assuming that? Yeah, in the first issue, it all comes yeah. down to this. Yeah. It ends differently, but uh, oh yeah. yeah, this is definitely a nod to that issue. That's usually what I tell my credit cards when I put them in, when they've been expired. You're about to face the shredder. And then I just toss it in there. So this, this aesthetically kind of calls back a little bit to some martial arts films where like you'd have one person go one at a time and go off against the big baddie and they'd all get knocked down. Yeah. Although at some point um they are kind of t uh, tag teaming um yeah. the shredder briefly. Oh look, Brad, it's the outside of New York and there's a lot of people now. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so okay, so this is weird. Uh the shredder's just hanging out back there waiting for them to <laughs> Look at he's just kind of pacing. He's like, a patient I'll, I'll wait for them. Warrior. Yeah, exactly. Right, this camera moves sweet right here. This whip around. Mm -hmm. so badass yeah that is well timed cool yeah so this is where they start to gang up on the shredder kind of yep. doing a little bit, little bit more than one at a time but it's a pretty awesome fight actually god that stunt guy having to jump across like up over the shredder and then land and then kick back oh so good. Just your back's got to hurt after doing like taking a hit to the back like that with a shell like up against it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Cliff Booth was one of the stuntmen. <laughs> <laughs> so many cars and movies just leave the keys in the ignition. Yeah. I, I've never left my keys in my ignition ever. Now, is that the same garbage truck? that uh kevin eastman walked outside of for his cameo uh yeah um he, yeah he was supposed to he was supposed to see it on screen oh this is this sound effect suite right there actually i think i'm a little bit ahead of you on the movie but uh where no, yeah, leo no, slices I, I, his I, arm I, I, in yeah, 5.1 no. sounds awesome again Oof. anyway yeah, uh, i'm hearing, I'm hearing yeah. it on bluetooth headphones so <laughs> um yeah so apparently uh kevin eastman uh, his he 
he had a cameo in one of the recent movies, but he did have a cameo in this one as the car- garbage man with mm-hmm. that truck that got cut out. So, oh, so so he could have been Stan Lee before Stan Lee. Yeah, but Stan Lee put a stop to that inadvertently. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you don't, Mister Eastman. Mikey about to save the day here inadvertently. Yeah. Because even a goofball could be the hero. Look at the expression, like their eyes in the scene. Like the animatronics are just so amazing. Yeah, how can you how can you laugh at that? Splinter. It's all connected. <laughs> Hashtag it's all connected. Watch Agents of Shield, guys. He's gonna take off that mask. Ooh. Look what like one facial disfiguration did to one man, like all the chaos it caused. Now, now I understand Joaquin Phoenix's Joker performance way more. Cause he was he was scarred on the inside, Brad. Oof. Look at that. Look at him. The uh, NECA figure actually comes with this little knife. (laughs) This is a pretty sweet uh, non-CGI stunt person fall. I love how Splinter gets to do that. And here's Casey Jones straight up murdering the Shredder. Well, Casey Jones, much like the Dark Knight, uh, won't kill him, but he doesn't have to save him from accidentally pulling a lever. Actually, I don't think uh, Casey is the kind of person who's that affected, but like he's kind of okay with murder. Yeah, no, because he is a vigilante at heart. Yeah. Well, I mean, Batman's a vigilante, but he's like, he does have that like no killing policy. But yeah, Casey doesn't have that. Like yeah. people die, they die. We just saw the image, but that family shot of them all together as a family. It, yeah. it reminds you again that there is a heart to this, even amidst the dark, the dark angles of it. There, these, this, even the two sillier films, they all have a heart to them. Like this is about a family. So the the news van, the 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 four letter is WTRL. I always wonder if that was like because it kind of sounds like Wordle, Wordle, if they uh, <laughs> meant to make it sound like turtle. Hmm. That would be a question for the commentary that we'll have to find from the UK. Yeah. Because right now we're the only American commentary for this uh, for yeah. for this particular movie. So yeah, we're pretty much at the end of it, Zach. Is there any other questions that you have that you didn't get to before this thing wraps so, up? So I guess to to wrap it up, you know, one of the things that amazed me when when we've been getting back into these turtles here, these these teenage mutants, if you will. Um, was that you are absolutely correct when you talked about it a couple of weeks ago in our isolated episode where, uh, you know, this film has much more depth than um, you, than you remember and has a lot more poignancy than you'd imagine. So I would guess like if you had anything to say to a person who's getting into the turtles, even just watching this for the first time, like what would you recommend they go to, to next? Would you go to secret of the use and just kind of embrace the madness or do you kind of try to go right to the comics? 
I, I would recommend going and checking out the the original run of comics. Um, mm. I mean, I, I, as as far as things that have depth, or just like if you want to know more about. Oh, I guess if you even if you're a kid, let's say I'm showing this to my nephew, and he's like, "Oh, I want more turtles." It's like, "Oh shoot, well, what do I show him? Do I show him the cartoon?" Like, actually, I think the cartoon might be a great option too. I mean, yeah, age has a lot to do with it. Like, I wouldn't give him the original comics uh, until you're like a teen, <laughs> until you're the teen a teenager. Um, wait, yeah. wait, we should point out here: Officer Sturgeons is giving a talk to Sam Rockwell. He's telling Sam Rockwell, "It's like, oh look, oh, yeah." So look at that acting. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't compete with that. This guy's going to win an day, Oscar. One day that kid's going to dance on stage after he's convinced Mickey Rourke to build a robot army. And I'm going <laughs> to watch and I'm going to say I knew it. From moment one, I knew it. One day this guy's going to play a racist who's so conflicted <laughs> he's going to win an Academy Award. <laughs> One day he's going to play George W. Bush and inexplicably get a second Oscar nomination. He's good in that movie. It's just, it's, One it's day he's going to reenact all the fantasy elements of a child writer's <laughs> uh, sci-fi novel <laughs> effeminately. One day he's going to be in Galaxy Quest. I'm saying that because I lo- really love Galaxy Quest, so there's no ne- reason to belittle that achievement. <laughs> But anyway, uh, back to your question. Uh, yeah, probably just the the '80s cartoon is probably the next for uh, your nephew's age. Probably the '80s cartoon is the next place to go, or maybe Rise of the TMNT. Seems like it's pretty. Yeah, uh, it's modern and and also has that level of humor. And here's where Splinter invents Cowabunga. That's exactly. Cowabunga is never a thing that about that was in the um, original comics initially. So, no, as I learned from the documentary, and here's where I can drop some knowledge, I guess. Um, the uh, it was drawn actually from Snoopy. Uh, there was a strip series of strips where Snoopy surfed, and Charles Schultz wrote Cowabunga. And the screenwriter of the uh, initial pilot episodes for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series said like well i'll have him say cowabunga dude and then it just carried on forward into that yeah um and so that's that's here we're at the credits of this um i'll tell you brad you know based on rewatching this and kind of getting to experience the sincerity that lies within this i'm definitely wanting to kind of dig more into turtle lore in a way that i hadn't before um you know i will point out um Obviously, this was the last thing that Jim Henson worked on in his lifetime. That's right. He died, I think, shortly after they'd finished all the puppeteering stuff, mm-hmm. or after shortly after the movie came out. I, I'm not, I can't quite remember, but yeah, this was his last project. Yeah, and it was also, um, you know, and Brian Henson was much more involved than him technically, but Henson was basically overseeing and supervising a lot of stuff from afar. But his, his, his. Uh, his indelible legacy to creating things that uh, you'd never thought could exist uh, ultimately ends with the turtles and uh, a job well done in my opinion. Yeah. This, uh, the animatronics of this uh, movie were actually pretty revolutionary for their time. We also forgot to mention um, Corey Feldman is the voice of Donatello in this movie and he would not return for the sequel because he was stuck in rehab. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then um, Robbie wrist, the voice of Michelangelo is uh, 
the cousin on the Brady Bunch. Oh, cousin Oliver. Cousin, cousin Oliver. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some bit of trivia for you, I'm listeners glad at he home. Found other work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he actually did the voice through all three of them. So. Yeah. That's not, by the way, that's not a dig, guys. I'm really just happy Robbie Wrist had was able to keep working. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just you know, there's a it, it's it, it's it's a I think that what I what I found amazing watching this, especially through your eyes, is just like how you learn to appreciate a film that like and it comes from that syndrome of like you know we grow up with these things as kids and then we get older and we start to try to deny those things that gave us pleasure as children, whether it was like. You know, for for me, for me, it was you know stuff like Disney and all that stuff, and so and then to revisit it when you're older, and to the to the cynics who uh, don't understand it the way Brad has understood it, and now I've come to understand it. Um, y'all can go fuck yourselves. Wow. Uh, real quick before I forget, uh, yeah. as the credits keep growing, um, Ernie Reyes Jr.'s name just popped up because he's performing as Donatello. He would later in the next movie be Kino. Yeah. Yes. So, which is actually, it's a really, it's, it's a really great part of that second film is just watching some of those stuff like, like people like Ernie Reyes Jr. get to do the actual stuff. So, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Partners in crime are doing the, the neutral theme right now. Yeah. As we're listening. Pretty, uh, pretty awesome. I used, uh, this song is uh, inspiration for the Jean-Claude Van Damme end credits where they re- yep. recap the movie through the song. That's, uh, it's, and that <laughs> actually now it's starting to connect a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you're getting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like, and this is also an age where you could do a tie in song to a movie. You don't get that anymore. It was like my biggest disappointment like in Men in Black 3, they have the Pitbull song, but they don't have Will Smith doing the song. So it just kind of felt like I had been cheated out of an experience from the 90s. We'll never get back. <laughs> yeah. This next song is 9.95. And obviously, uh, I think Donatello made a reference to it before the movie ended. Because um, he, I guess he calls Casey and April's Kiss 9.95. I'm not yeah. sure. I've never heard that is like a thing. Mm. Um, even in 1990, so I, I I'm curious what the uh, I, I have to ask the screenwriters like what where that comes from. Is that well? It's 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 not a reference to a band or anything, obviously. No, the best I can think of is it's like you know, if you're rating something, you know, one to ten, like so, this is like nine point nine five. So it's like almost perfect, but not quite. You know, like is that what the reference is? Because that's just... well, he's but, but he's not going to give them the satisfaction of a hundred percent. I mean, maybe I don't know. Like, yeah, so I don't know what the that's, what, what is the, the mystery is. of nine point nine five? What what is if people who are listening, if you know if this is supposed to reference anything specific, please email us at realnerds at gmail dot com and tell us what uh what this is all about so the motion picture association of america has numbered this movie 30 181 <laughs> uh if you've been watching recent movies we're already up to fifty-two thousand. yeah numbers but yeah there it is yeah that's, that's teenage ninja turtles the movie yeah 
a wonderful, wonderful, fun experience. I mean, if you're, I mean, it, obviously, if you're listening to this episode, you were watching this along with the movie. Uh, unless you're like me and you listen to isolated commentary tracks on their own like a weirdo. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, Brad, like this was, you know, th- the the sincerity of this film like blew me away the, on this particular viewing. And it's no, in no show, short part to your ability to sell your love for the turtles and to embrace the things that do make them stand out as more than just, you know, cartoony pop culture figures. Yeah, I'm glad I can uh, make more fans through, you know, my appreciation of the turtles. I hope you uh, branch out and go beyond the movies and discover more. I definitely will. I mean, I mean, and I definitely need to revisit the TMNT from the 2007 because I do remember liking that a lot, even as I was a cynical teenager going like, man, the turtles are for kids, but Kevin Smith's in this and he might curse in it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually watched it like a couple weeks ago and um you know it it's tough to like you when you have a Turtles movie you kinda want the Shredder to be to be involved, but um this is that movie's really more of just like random monsters. I guess yeah. they're not random, they're really they, like the Jersey Devil. Like they are they are based on you know, a lot a lot of different mythologies, like the Yeti and mm-hmm. uh all that. Um but yeah, it's just it's just like if you're not familiar with the comics, uh, drawing in elements like that seems pretty, like, strange. I, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it was, I think it was supposed to be um, a, uh, the, uh, 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 it was supposed to be the start for a new TV show at one point that just never materialized, or? Uh, I think maybe, uh, they like they were going to do a new well, i guess it kind of did like uh so yeah i think after the movie they were thinking about like oh let's do a cgi series um in the style yeah. of the movie but i think that kind of fell by the wayside after the movie didn't do well but right. eventually it did come back because in 2012 they did have a cgi tv series so but it right. wasn't in the same style as the movie yeah because well, that time had passed so you know, it's interesting. I just I forgot about this. Uh, Warner Brothers obviously had the North American rights. Weinstein Company distributed that film internationally. Yeah, uh, I forgot to bring mm-hmm. that up. Yeah, the Weinstein title card comes up in that movie. Um, so sorry, yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty much the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles experience. So now we're gonna jump on to the second movie while we're here. No, <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, my my dad's telling me we gotta wrap it up. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah. Uh, Turtle power. Yep. Turtle power. Hero and a half show, baby. Thanks for doing this, Zach. I will Not a problem. See you on the show this weekend. See you on the show this weekend, bud. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. 
And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.